welcome to Peanut Butter and Jelly Shoes. My name is Caitlin. My name is Tiffany. What did we watch today, Tiffany? Today we decided to watch something a little spoopy. A little spoopy, because it's Halloween time. It is Halloween time, and we watched a classic uh, cult favorite from 1987. Called Monster Squad? The Monster Squad. The, oh, it's the, I didn't realize there was a the in it. Yeah. It's the Monster Squad. All right, so there, it's not to be confused with the different Monster Squad. Correct. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I have seen this movie many times before. I've never seen it. So I was very excited to watch it with you. I was very bewildered and confused. I didn't, I was so, I wrote, I took so many notes. You did take an alarming amount of notes. Because I don't, I have so many questions for you. Well, I hope I can answer at least one of them. That's, well, thank God. Um... So basically, in a nutshell, this movie is about a group of kids. Yeah. Kind of Goonie-esque. It is very Goonie-esque. Yeah. And they're in a monster club, because they love monsters. And they meet in a treehouse. And they meet in a treehouse, and then one day, a bunch of monsters appear, and they've got to try to defeat the monsters. Yeah, that's basically it. That's basically it in a nutshell. But we're going to go more in depth, obviously. Sure. Should we start from the beginning? That's a very good place to start. Okay. <laughs> so I've heard. Since what Julie Andrews told me once. Yeah, she's pretty cool. She is pretty legit. I trust what she has to say. The beginning, it opens in Transylvania, and yes. it was like a hundred, it just says a hundred years ago, and mm-hmm. then it's like this spooky old house, and you see an armadillo running across the, the floor with... I don't know, though. You seem to disagree with me. Oh, I because I thought you were talking about a different part with an armadillo. No, I was talking at the very beginning. <clears throat> okay, well then, yeah, I have no disagreement, because I didn't notice that at all. I thought you were talking about something else. No, no, there's, like, at the very beginning, there's, like, an armadillo that runs across the castle. Well, that seems like a strange animal to be in Transylvania. Like, there wouldn't be an like, aren't those only in, like, Texas, basically? No, they're in Florida. I've seen a lot of roadkill armadillos. Well, aren't they basically in the southern half of the United States? Like, why? And they filmed this in California. Like, there's no armadillos in California, right? Possibly. <sighs> like, is, I, I why mean, would they, why would they pick a, out of all the possible animals, like, why would they put an armadillo in a castle in Transylvania? I, I, I feel like you went into this. Wanting no, it was to so stupid. It. it would be like if you opened up in like medieval England and there's a kangaroo. Like it doesn't. I don't work. think it's that ridiculous. It's not that outrageous. I want to go back and watch the beginning because Fine. I don't know what you're talking. I'll about. show you. Well, you are also real mad right away because yes. <laughs> they they're going through this this you know old rundown you know castle house mm-hmm. and. Caitlin's just like, well, if everyone's dead, who lit the torches? That's something that bothers me in so many movies. Like, you'll they'll go into an abandoned castle or dungeon and all the torches are lit. I'm like, who would the fuck lit the torches? You're real mad about it. I'm super... Well, I think that I can tell you who lit the torches. Hmm. Dracula lit the torches. And then he went back to sleep in his coffin. Oh, he's like, let them... So, because he's like, oh, I'm going to wake up in 12 hours. I have to have light. Because yeah. I can't have sunlight. Yeah. But he... But he can have sunlight. I saw him in the sun. No, he, he, he can't have daylight, remember? It's but different. he was out in the daytime! <laughs> oh my god, this is going to be a really contentious podcast. I hope so. I'm a little <laughs> nervous. Okay, so yeah, I wrote, who lit the torches at the time? I knew that pissed you off, I could tell. No, it doesn't piss me off, it just makes me, it's a trope we see, I see it so often, and I'm always like, why do we, like, just have somebody light the torches, it's not that hard. So you would rather... The movie happens where, like, some random throwaway guy is, like, lighting all the torches and then walks off camera versus opening in a completely pitch black room because no one is there to light the torches. No, you have, like, spooky moonlight, and then you have, like, a guy come in, and he's like, oh, man, it's dark in here, and then he lights all the torches. But why would he just wander into a house to light the torches if he didn't live there? Okay, let's just say Dracula did it. That's better. Yeah, I, but he like did I it before so. he went to bed. Right, like I originally said. You're correct. Okay. <laughs> but he comes out, he's in a coffin, and it's full of spiders. Which I immediately disliked. And there's, but if the... Okay, if he's only in the coffin like every... Just during the day, and he like comes out every night, he's wearing... Like, why is it full of spiders? I've got nothing. I mean, maybe, <laughs> you know, it's a... It's an environmental thing, and they're drawn to cool, dark spaces. I guess. And he's a creature of the night, and spiders are fucking terrifying and evil. And he comes out, and he's so clean, and his suit's freshly pressed. 
I well, was I felt I felt bad for Dracula in this movie, if only because, you know, we, spoiler alert, there's a lot of other monsters that appear, and all of them have, like, super awesome makeup, I thought. Like, their yeah. special effects was really kind of ahead of its time for 1987. Like, it still looks good now. Who in did 2015. that makeup? Uh, Stan Winston. Yeah. Of Terminator, Jurassic Park fame. He knows know. what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. So they looked great, and then Dracula yeah. was like, oh, I'm kind of pale. So I wonder if he, like, felt... I felt bad for him, because everyone else looked super cool and scary and awesome, that's and he was true. like, I have a very, you know, flamboyant red cape and pale skin, and that's, like, all I got. But he's probably the only monster that didn't have to sit in the makeup chair chair for, like, four hours every day. You were probably right. So maybe he's a little bummed Unless Dracula in retrospect. Unless really, Dracula really played by, like, a woman. Oh, and then it was the best makeup job we've ever seen. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it's probably not accurate. I mean, it could be. No. Okay, this, okay, so, sorry, we're still in the castle, and all these people run in. This is another thing that bothered me. It didn't bother me, but it was weird. So they run into the castle foyer, and standing in the middle of the foyer is a lady eating an armadillo. It was not an armadillo. That was a possum. It looked like an armadillo. 100% confirmed it's a possum, because if you go to IMDb, um, it... There's literally a credit for Vampire Bride with Possum. Oh, dang it. Okay, Yeah, so right. sorry. That's what I thought you were talking about with the armadillo the first time, and I was like, no, no, was, I know it's a possum. It was probably a possum the first time, too. I just have bad eyes. <laughs> yeah, so she's just, like, randomly eating a possum. But she's standing in the middle of her foyer. Like, who stands in the middle of their foyer eats? Well, Caitlin, this is a vampire. They don't live by normal human rules. Okay. But also, they keep the, the, the amulet, which is the thing that, I guess, I don't know, was their most valuable possession. They, like, keep it in the foyer. It's the first thing you see when you walk into the house. And it's just, like, on a pedestal. Like We should tell you that this amulet is, like, this really important object. I don't get the amulet. The amulet is basically... Okay. I'm going to try to explain it. Please. So, it, it's, like, the gateway for good versus evil. Okay. So, there's an incantation that you can say in front of the amulet. If you're a virgin. Uh-huh. And if a good person says it, then the monsters are sucked into, like, this black hole and the evil goes away for 100 years. Right. But if the bad guys or one of the monsters says the incantation or prevents that from happening at midnight on that 100-year mark, then they can continue to reign supreme. They don't get sucked away anywhere. They continue to walk the earth. So they're trying to protect it from Van Helsing, who uh, is in the opening... Sequence. They're trying to protect it from him, from him and his, you know, virgin bride or whatever, <laughs> speaking the incantation to suck all the monsters away. But why wouldn't you put it under lock and key? Like, why would you just, like, leave it? Because they're fucking vampires. <laughs> they don't normally need that kind of protection. They're, they're like, oh, this is the one night of the year that we need the amulet to, like... Well, it was, it was on, it was on the vampire bride. It was on her. She was probably there to guard it. And Aww. she got t- a little hungry, a little peckish, and she found that possum, and she ate it. And All it was poor timing. All I'm saying is they should have kept that more secure. They should have put it in, like, a safe All I'm saying box. is you should write a sequel, or rewrite this movie, because you're furious about it. <laughs> I, I don't, yeah, it's... Okay, but then, you gotta suspend your disbelief. I know you're for, right. No, I just have fun making like fun of it. So then they bring this. I felt so bad. So they bring in this like German girl, which is weird because they're well, they're in Transylvania. They bring in a German girl to read this incantation. Yeah, and she is in the process of reading it, and the guy is screaming in her ear, "Read it, read it!" Yeah, and I'm like, she is reading it. Shut up. That's literally what she's doing. Yeah, she's reading it aloud, and he's screaming in her ear, and it made me so mad, because I'm just like, dude, just chill out. Yeah, but, I mean, despite that, she manages to complete the incantation, and this, like, wonderful 80s graphic pops up on the screen of, like, this swirling black hole that's, like, sucking everything into it. But none of the monsters go in the black hole. Do they? I don't remember. But she goes, like, she sucks herself into the black hole, and Van Helsing gets sucked. So all the good guys get sucked into the black hole, and none of the bad guys do. Well, then maybe she didn't do it right at midnight, and she fucked it up, and then the bad guys got to stay in power. She probably fucked it up because that guy was yelling in her ear. It seems likely. It really does. So that's, like, the whole, like, opening prologue or whatever of this movie. And then it cuts to where it says present day. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is, we find out, 100 years later. Exactly 100 years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they go, um, it's just like a random American town, no-name America. Yeah, it's it's all very, like, up to your own interpretation. 
they don't name the town, they don't name the year, they don't name anything really about it. It's all just, like, generic USA town. Exactly. And it's just, like, a group of kids in school, they're, they said they're about 12 years old, mm-hmm. and they're just, they're, but they're really into monsters, and, like, they had the monster squad. Yeah, they're getting in trouble at school for not paying attention in science class, because they're too busy drawing pictures of spiders with human faces on them. Yeah, they really were a hor- that thing was, like, the dumbest looking drawing, and they're like, what is this? Oh my god, what are you drawing? And it's like, oh, it's a spider with a human head. Yeah, so they were getting in a lot of trouble for that, and that's how we're introduced to our protagonists, basically. Yeah, and then they're, like, just, uh, with- <laughs> can we talk about the cool kid? What was his name? Oh my god, we can talk about the cool kid. So, but first we should say, um, we should give him an introduction. Like, oh, yeah. so after we meet the two main guys who founded the Monster Club, Sean and Patrick, mm-hmm. we cut to outside where there's, like, you know, your token fat friend. He's and a he's a ripoff like, of Chunk. Yeah, he's totally a ripoff of Chunk. And he's basically walking around in the kind of way where, like, you feel like a tuba should be following him around. <laughs> and he's, like, yeah. just eating a Snickers. He had the saddest eyes. He, he was, <laughs> oh, my God. He looks like he had a rough life ahead of him. But he's, like, eating the Snickers. And then Kevin from The Wonder Years yes. shows up. And he's a real D-bag. He really is. And he, like, is, like, using a lot of inappropriate slurs, because this is the 80s. He was referring to him in very negative ways. That's right. uh, Which I will not repeat. And he, like, basically throws his Snickers on the ground. He's like, pick it up and eat it. Pick it up and eat it. Yeah. And, uh, and then, like, all of a sudden, cut into the frame, it's just, like, this bike tire. Like, doing this, like, skid and stop. And then it slowly pans up. And it's just the cool kid. It's the cool kid. He, you can tell he's cool because he's wearing a leather jacket and he's smoking a cigarette and he's, and he's got on some sunshades. He's dressed like Danny Zuko. He is. And his name is Rudy. I, I totally could tell that they they tried to cast Corey Feldman in that role. And so they just decided to find a random lookalike. And, <laughs> and then just like, but yeah, did you totally get that vibe? I did. I thought that this was, again, like, another Goonies, like, low budget. Like, they tried really hard, but they just couldn't quite get it. Yeah, so they, like, it was clearly supposed to be Corey Feldman in my head, and then they're just like, oh, let's just... No, I thought the same thing, too. Yeah, okay. And what I think is so funny, and it's actually, well, maybe it's actually a little creepy, because they never explain it, like, these kids are 12, and then Rudy's in... They say junior high. Junior high, which means he's at least in 8th or ninth grade. But I'm like, junior high isn't 12 junior high? Well, it's different. I mean, things are phrased differently around different parts of the country. You can be in middle school or junior high. Some schools go from like first to sixth grade, Mm -hmm. and then seventh and eighth are one thing, but whatever. So he was clearly older than them. Yeah. So I don't understand why he was like so like really into wanting to hang out just with these younger kids. Right. Like, and everyone obviously respected him. He stops bullies with a single glare. Yeah. (laughs) And like, he's clearly the cool kid, but like, he wants to hang out with these. Like, fat, nerdy, monster-obsessed, you know, 12-year-olds yeah. who wear shirts that talk about Stephen King. Yeah, there's no, like, indication that this kid likes monsters, and it's just like, he's like, hey, leave that kid alone. And then all of a sudden it cuts to, like, he's in the monster squad, and they're like, I don't know, we have to quiz him. Make well, sh- Yeah, and it's really weird because, like, at, at one point you think he's using these kids because when they get to the treehouse for him to take his monster test, yeah. there's, like, in the middle of the day, just, like, this super hot 80s chick, like, wearing a robe and changing clothes, like, yeah. in a window that is you can see from the treehouse, and he's, like, looking at her, and it's the one guy's sister. Yeah. So you're like, well, maybe he's just, like, super into the sister, that's so that's when he's in the monster this. squad, but then, like, he interacts with her for maybe, like, two minutes in the movie, and he's basically calling her an idiot. But he makes it sound, like, there's, they set it up as if it's a big love story, because he goes, like, whoa, that's your sister, and he gets this look on his face, yeah. like, oh my god, I can't believe that, like, I am in love with that girl. Like, I thought it was gonna lead to some kind of a romance, but obviously not. Yeah, it didn't. It's really kind of weird and inexplainable, inexplainable? Unexplainable why they're hanging out. Inexplicable, that's the word. So... They're, before he joins the Monster Club, they're, like, walking home from school after they get in trouble. And they walk past, like, you know, this abandoned, creepy house that's, like, the yard is totally overgrown. There's, like, a busted wire fence. And they're like, there's a creepy German guy that's living there. Because, of course, there's a creepy German guy that's living why there. why not? Because why not? Yeah. And it's kind of just, like, a throwaway. Like, oh, there's a creepy German guy. Yeah. And it's not... And I remembered that they spoke German at the beginning of the film, and I predicted... 
They did. Mm, maybe he will come into play later. <laughs> Just a hunch. I don't know. Yeah. And then they, like, randomly cut to two guys flying a World War II, like, bomber plane. Yeah, Which was that. really weird. Like, it could have been any aircraft, but they were flying, like, a bomber. And they were like, oh, we're transporting dead bodies. I'm like, is that a thing? They're not even... Well, of course that's a thing. Oh, was this supposed to be for the museum? It's for the museum. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were transporting to the museum. Yeah, using a World War II plane. Okay. Yeah, but... So that was really strange. It should have just been, like, any kind of cargo plane. But it was specifically, like, this World War II plane. Yeah. Which seemed really important at the time, because they were mentioning it, but then it, like, never comes into play at all. Yeah, and then they they talk up. So then, but Dracula's. I'm so I was so confused by this. Dracula's on the plane. They're transporting his body to go to the museum. Mm-hmm. It's like, and then Dracula comes out of his coffin. And they hear some noises, so they go to investigate. They yeah. clearly put this bomber on autopilot, which I'm a little dubious if that existed. Yeah, and then they just like go into the back of the plane and they like, look, and Dracula's there, and and this is the kind of Dracula that transforms from a bat. Yeah. So, like, at one point, he, like, pushes, uh, the pilot pushes aside this curtain to peek in there, and this bat flies past his head. And, like, that doesn't freak him out as much as I thought it should. Yeah. Like, you, I would think, would be alarmed if there was a bat on your cargo plane that yeah, was like, not supposed to be there. Yeah. And then it turns into Dracula, and he poops his pants a little bit. Yeah, and then the Dracula drops out of the plane, and... Well, he tries He tries to open, like, the cargo bed door to have him, like, sucked down. But he floats. But he floats, and then he turns into a bat. So, but then he drops out of the plane in bat form. Yeah. And then lands in a swamp, and then somehow Frankenstein's coffin falls out with him. Yeah, they well, never because sp- he's, well, no, that, that's an easy explanation, because where he was standing was amidst all of these other coffins, right. all of these other crates, and when the guy pulled out. the lever, it all fell through the bottom. Got it. So, like, as Dracula in bat form flew down, a couple different crates fell into the swamp, and one of them was labeled Frankenstein's Monster. I don't understand what kind of museum they were going to, and why, like, anything would be labeled as, like, Dracula and Frankenstein's Monster, unless this is a world where, like, it's accepted that they exist. I guess so. Well, I mean, they do exist in this world. They do. Yeah, but it was very confusing, and... But, so, but then, so he can exist as a bat in daylight, because he was out in daylight totally fine as mm-hmm. a bat. Yeah. It was, I don't know, that was problematic for me. Of course it was. And then he gets a car right away? He does. He gets A custom this, car. He gets this pretty sweet hearse. He lands in suburbia, and then all of a sudden he's driving a hearse with a skull emblem. Yeah, like this awesome, like, like a fist-sized silver skull on the, like, as the hood ornament. Yeah. It was ridiculous, but I liked it. Yeah, I... Yeah, I... No, but again, I was like, where did he get that car? Like, who did he take it from? How does he know how to drive? It was a lot of questions. Yeah. And so, as this is happening concurrently, Rudy is joining the Monster Squad Club. And then, randomly, the one... The one main guy gets a, a, a diary. Like, it's not really explained. Like, his mom... Yeah, how the hell did he get it? His mom, like... <laughs> His mom basically is like, hey, this this diary came for you in the mail from this abandoned house, but it's not explained, like, why or who sent it or anything, but he gets this diary, and it's Van Helsing's diary, but... But they need it, I don't, I don't know what the but... It's all in German. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. So who did they... He's so excited about this Van Helsing's diary, but he can't read it because it's all in German. Oh, yeah, right. And so they have to go get help from the German guy. Yeah, so they get help, and of course the German guy translates it, and he basically tells them that... But at this point, they still don't... Do they still not realize that the monsters are real? Correct. So they're still, like... So that's why it's extra, like, annoying. Like, I wish they had seen the monsters first, and then they're like, holy shit, like, what can we do? And then they were like... But the first, this guy's like, oh, the, the monsters will come tonight, and are... Bl- and we have to do this ritual and all this stuff. It was like very I don't know, I was very confused. Well, a lot of the a lot of the beginning part of the movie was people uh, trying to ignore the fact that monsters were there. Like the yeah. police had several opportunities to make that connection and they didn't do it. The one guy's father was a police officer and he gets called out when he and his wife are supposed to have a fancy dinner and she's like giving him the side eye about it. She's real stink eyed about it. And he, like, goes to the museum where this 2,000-year-old mummy has just vanished into thin air. Mm. And oh, my, that's right. 
One of my uh, favorite lines is when the, the, his partner is like, well, this case is too hard. We might as well just stop trying to solve it. And it wasn't like a joke. Like, that was like a serious, like, this is too hard. I don't know where it went, guys. Yeah, they, Let's just call it a day. They didn't even leave the crime scene yet. And they're just like, yeah, this, this is beyond the sarcasm. This one's too tough. Yeah. So, like, the mummies disappeared. And then they have this crazy guy, like, in handcuffs at the station, y- like, yelling about how he's a werewolf and he needs to be locked up. Yeah. And you remember what happens with him? He turns, he starts throwing policemen around like they're, like, what's something that's easily thrown about? A rag doll? Yes, they're thrown about like rag dolls. Yeah. Or bricks. Or not bricks. <laughs> <laughs> he throws them around like he's throwing a bunch of pillows around her. Yeah. Like, which I had, yeah. And then he, like, leaves. I don't no, know. No, he gets shot a bunch of times. But then he's, oh, he goes into the... He's, the, he's, he's then ta- transported with, to, with, the, with the sheet over his head. Which I thought was silly. Like, he should be in a body bag, not just, like, a sheet over his head. That's... You're probably correct. And because he's a werewolf, these bullets didn't kill him. Because yeah. they weren't made of silver. So he kills the driver of the ambulance. Who's, like, 14 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so suddenly there's a mummy missing. There's a guy claiming to be a werewolf. They shoot him a bunch of times. Then the ambulance driver is killed and the bodies disappeared. And yeah. still people are like, well, it's another day. Like, they're yeah. not trying to figure out what any of this means. No, they're, they're not. And I had one of my favorite moments was that was very like if you think about logistically it makes no sense when so the mummy's missing yeah and then the little kid what was his name eugene the horrible the one. one i hated he's the worst i hated him a lot you e- guys eugene's like well daddy there's a monster in my closet and the dad's like uh he was a great dad like he was like your classic dad like he gets out of bed and he's like oh let's go solve these monster problems yeah and then he just bursts into the room and he's like look under the here there's no monsters blah 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 and of course, he opens the closet door, and he's like, "Look!" No, like he doesn't even look in the closet. And the dad's like, "Oh, there's no monsters in here. Go to bed, kid." And the kid just sits there silently. Like the kid, if the kid had just said, "Hey, dad, turn around," or something, because we can see that the mummy is in his closet. It's literally just standing there, and the kid just is sitting there with his mouth wide open, breathing in the air, sucking it in because he's a dummy. And like he's just like, "Okay, no more monsters." And he's like, "Okay, dude." Like, and he, wh- he all he had to say was, "Turn around." Yeah. Or or point and say, look. Yeah. and the, But he didn't because he's dumb. He's the worst. But I was thinking about logistically. So the mummy escapes from the museum. Yeah. He then must have had to have broken into this house, climbed up the stairs, mm-hmm. somehow without anyone in the family noticing, and then climb into this kid's closet. Who just happened to be a part of the murder club. Exactly. And to no gain. Murder like, to no- club, the monster club. <laughs> You wanted Eugene to be murdered, that's why I was a Freudian slip. didn't like him. Um, yeah, but it was like, yeah, it was very annoying. And so I was like, wait, so this mummy went all the way into the house and just went into this kid's closet for all of ten minutes and then left the house? Like, he didn't take? I was like, that just felt weird. It's like, th- that logistically made no sense. Well, I can try to explain it. It was a great little moment. If you want, I can try. Go. Okay, so... We kind of glossed over the part where, like, Dracula meets up with all the other monsters. Oh, right. So Dracula meets up with the wolfman after he turns and kills the taxi or ambulance driver. Naturally. Yeah, so they meet up. Uh, then the swamp, like, creature from the Black Lagoon or, like, swamp monster. They yeah. never really explain who or what he is. He appears. And yeah. uh, who else is there? Oh, Frankenstein's monster. They awaken him. Yeah. And they're, and the mummy is there, and they're all basically uh, Dracula's henchmen, because Dracula wants this amulet. So Great. we see him in a scene, talk to Frankenstein's monster, and say, I need this amulet. The children have the diary. Get to the children, kill the children, get the amulet and the diary. So we can presume he had the same speech given to all of the other monsters, and then right. the mummy appears in the closet of one of the kids. Okay. That might be reaching. No, no, I don't no, know. But, okay, that's the thing. But the lake monster, it's implied that he just lives in that lake. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, full time. Yeah, like, that's just where like, he Like, he's hangs. always been there, and it's not until Dracula comes into his house that he, like, wakes up. 
Well, can you imagine what a miserable life, though? It's like, you're just like a monster, and you have no purpose, and you have no one to give you a purpose until, like, a hundred years pass, and Dracula shows up. And that was a small-ass pond. It was shallow, Like, it, it was like. probably four feet deep, like, I'm being generous. Yeah. And it was maybe, like, 50 feet wide. Yeah. And this humanoid, six-foot-tall thing just, like, lays on his back in there he all day. He was a heavy breather, too. Yeah, because he breathes the air, because he got out. That movement, that was really funny. When yeah. they, like, pulled the camera back after they wake up Frankenstein. Yeah. He was, like, breathing heavily, which I realized maybe he can't breathe out of the water very well or something, because he looks like he's having an asthma attack. But he, like, tells him, Frankenstein's still, like, in his coffin. They, like, they wake him up, like, they put bolt the things on his neck, and, yeah. like, there's a lightning bolt that he suddenly has a lightning rod. And he's like, okay, I need you to get the amulet and the whatever, the diary. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they have this moment where the camera is, like, pulling away, but Dracula pulls his hand down puts his hand down as if to pull Frankenstein out of the coffin. And Frankenstein lifts his hand up, but they ju- their fingers are, like, just almost touching, and the camera pulls away, and they don't move. And, like, so there's, like, this awkward, like, 40-second interval where their hands, like, their fingers are just grazing each other, and they're not moving. Meanwhile, uh, sea bass in the background is, like, breathing <laughs> heavily. And he's, like, huffing and puffing, and then the werewolf is just, like, kind of, like, Whoa! Like howling he at the moon. At least one. It was like this awkward freeze frame that lasted way too long. I was beyond uncomfortable. Yeah, it, they should <laughs> they should have cut on that scene like eight times before they actually did. He was like, "Here, let me help you out of the coffin." Then it was like eighties free frame, but like it wasn't because half the cast was still moving. Oh my god, it was, it was pretty weird. ridiculous. Um, and then we. So we, we now know that all the monsters are awake, yeah. and we know what they're after, which is the amulet, and no one else seems to know this yet, even though I feel like some of them should, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, but the main guy has a little sister, and the little sister is, like, scared for whatever reason, because she's terrible, too. Aww. And so the mom, like, this part, I think, bothered me more than any part in the entire movie. Like, the mom comes into her room... And she lights a candle that's not, like, in a jar. It's just, like, a, a pillar candle. She just, like, lights it and puts it on her, like, six-year-old child's nightstand. And she's like, as long as this candle is burning, that means I love you. And that means you'll be safe and nothing can hurt you. And I'm like, what a terrible thing to say to a small child. Like, so as soon as the candle burns out, like, I don't love you anymore and you're going to die. Basically, and also, here's a live fire next to your face in right? the middle of the night. It's super dangerous. Like, you the don't, 80s. But you shouldn't fall asleep with the candle and you're lit in your room on your nightstand. Okay, can I, so have, can we have a sidebar about the mother? Yeah, I had a theory that did not come to did not come true. So the, the mother had this penchant for lighting candles. Like the whole house, like at night, was like lit by just candles. Yeah, you commented on that a lot. But it was like super weird. It was, this was like it's nineteen eighty seven. Electricity, I think, existed then. <laughs> and, Maybe. And then, but they we had, don't know where they live. That's true. That's true. They could have been in Amish country, but like. So they had all these candles throughout the house. Like, the kitchen was just lit by random candles everywhere. And there was no- And they had fires going in their fireplaces. And fire... So, and then I noticed the mom... I made a comment, all the women in this movie dress like pilgrims. Pilgrim? Pilgrim. What's a pilgrim? A pilgrim. <laughs> Sorry. I can't speak. I couldn't help it. <laughs> a pilgrim. And I was thinking, okay, so because the, the mom was wearing this very conservative, like... It's like high-necked. High-necked, long dress that was, like, almost ankle length. And she had on this, like, frilly white apron. Like, she looked like she was, like, an extra from Oklahoma. And <laughs> I was thinking, like, I thought... And she had the blonde hair. I thought she was the German the girl at the beginning. Oh, or, or I thought, thought it was, was the actual German... Because you see this, like... 15-year-old-ish-looking German girl at the very beginning dressed like a pilgrim, because it's, like, the 19th century, and she gets sucked into this vortex, and then you don't see her again. Uh. And then all of a sudden it comes to, like, mom, who who lights, who lights only uses candles for light, and she dresses she like it's 1890. Well, I feel, I feel like this was made to be a sequel, and that didn't happen, so uh. maybe they were setting something like that up. But I was, like, I guess it's just how ladies dress, but I, I totally thought she was gonna be, like, because she was super into, like, oh, I have, like, a little single flame to light my way as I walk down the hallway at night. I'm like, who does that? I don't know. But it didn't come true. It's, it's like, spoiler. Um, 
Yeah, she, she was, was not, not that girl. No. No. And, well, yeah. that, I like that theory, though. Yeah. It would explain why she liked candles so much. Yeah, and that's why she was, like, scared of electricity. Because <laughs> she's like, oh, I know what Frankenstein, it'll, like, she could have had been scarred by Frankenstein. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of reasons why. I don't know. But it was a totally, um, <laughs> it was a fruitless endeavor. Um, okay, so wait, so this was when, I don't remember what happens next. <laughs> okay, so um, they meet Frankenstein's monster, right? The little girl, which you really liked, because it was a, a a very sweet homage to the original. Yeah, it was like she's sitting by a pond. And the she's little, the flowers. little sister. Yeah, the small girl. She's five years old. She's throwing flowers into the pond, and also you you see Frankenstein come up behind her, and I was like, oh my god, it's just like the movie. Can but I, but he didn't kill her. he didn't kill her. He didn't throw her into the lake. Yeah. Spoiler for the 1933 <laughs> Frankenstein. <laughs> Sorry. Or anyone who's never read that book. By the way, if you haven't seen that movie, you really should. It holds up shockingly well for a movie from 1933. And if you have seen that movie but haven't seen Young Frankenstein, you should probably watch that because that's of one of my favorite movies Aww, of all time. Aw, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, can I just say that that shot looked great? I think overall, I thought this movie actually had pretty good cinematography. Yeah, I mean, I think this movie looked really good. Yeah. I've already talked a lot about how much I liked the special effects makeup. The makeup looked great, and I thought it was just very well shot. Like, the way the shots were framed and, like, the way the camera moved, I thought it looked good. It didn't look like it was made in 1987, with the exception of the wardrobe. Yeah, the special effects and the wardrobe. Like, well, like, when it got, well, like... the... I, the the, not like, the digital effects. The digital yeah. effects, yes. Like, not the... Pri the practical effects look great. Yeah. But it was when we got to the mats of them, like, sucked into vortexes. Which like. I feel like probably looked pretty awesome in yeah. 1987. Like, if oh, you yeah. hadn't seen what people can do now, you would think that looked ridiculously good. And I thought, like... And the, even the quality of the camera actually looked good. Because, you know, a lot yeah. of those movies from that era look a little fuzzy, sort of. Mm -hmm. And it looked really sharp and, like, it looked, like, very clean. I don't know. <laughs> it did look it did look good. But, so, no, yeah. so the little girl while the little girl is meeting Frankenstein's monster and um we're not sure if he kills her or not yet. He obviously doesn't. Mm -mm. The boy is at home and there's like this random note written on a whiteboard by the telephone and, and oh. his mom wrote and he's like Mr. of uh Acula or something. <laughs> Like, Aculad from school, question mark? Called about the diary. Might want money. Like, exclamation marks. So he, like, the kid randomly starts, like, trying to unscramble that word, and he figures out that it means Dracula. <laughs> and then he, like, calls an emergency monster club meeting, and he tells everyone, guys, there's monsters, and we're not the monster club anymore. We're the monster squad. Which I And it was, like, the weirdest reason for him to start the Monster Squad. Like, it was the most tenuous reason, I feel like. Yeah, somebody called my mother and their name was an acronym for Dracula. So, therefore, we must form into a squad. Yeah, that was... And one of the kids didn't know what a squad was, and the guy's like, oh, you know, like Miami Vice. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's appropriate. <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, but then she brings Frankenstein in. Yeah, so they freak out about meeting him, because they think he's gonna kill all but of them. But he doesn't. No, he's actually pretty legit. He's really nice. And my favorite is they all try to run to hide. So, like, this guy's little five-year-old sister is, like, hanging out, ha holding hands with Frankenstein. And they all try to hide. But their idea of hiding is run 20 feet away and hide behind a bush. Or try to fit into a trash can. Yeah, and they're like, oh, he'll never find you there. Like, he's watching he, you climb into it, dummy. He saw you. Yeah, he's <laughs> looking at you immediately. Yeah. But then he's fine, and Frankenstein's cool, and they bring him up into the clubhouse, in the treehouse, rather. Yeah. And but then he opens a box with a well, mask. Well, they, they, he doesn't really understand what he is or what's going on. Right. And they give him a box. Or he picks up a box or something. So they hand it to him. Oh, and it's got a mask in it. It's like a Halloween mask. Mm -hmm. And it's Frankenstein's monster's face. And my first reaction, he, his reaction is like, Monster or something like that. No, it was really sad. Like it was he, sad. he like put the mask down. He like touched his face and he went scary. And like my heart broke for him. But my reaction was, if I was suddenly transported to a different world and somebody handed me a box and there was a mask of my own face in it, I would be like, holy shit, I'm famous. <laughs> like why? Like he didn't question the fact that this world yeah. has pre-made masks. Of I guess his that's own true. Because he wouldn't know that they were made for scaring purposes. He, he recognized know, himself. He doesn't know what Halloween is. He doesn't know what a costume is. He's like, wait, why would there be a mask of my face? 
Mm. You know? I don't know. If I woke up, like, five, like, a hundred years in the future and people were selling my Halloween costume, I'd be like, what happened? <laughs> so, That's a good point. So, I was, I think, well, he was kind of dumb, but he should have, like, he wasn't that dumb. Like, he should have known. Like, Frankenstein's monster? Yeah, he should have been like, whoa. He was literally made of other dead humans' body parts. How is, but how should dumb. he have known better? You're correct. Yeah, I'm I'm on Team Frankenstein's monster all the way. But then, like his mission was, he was sent there by Dracula to get the. He, he specifically said, "Get the diary mm-hmm. and bring it to me." And so they, so Frank Dracula basically, because he, he has nothing to do with the actual kids, he just wants the diary that they have. Frankenstein could have easily just taken the diary and given it back to Dracula. He has a heart somewhere in there. But like, but by not taking the diary, he's putting the kids in danger because now. They're trying to, they want to kill them to get the diary, but it's like, he could have just snuck into the kid's room. And well, Dracula also said to kill the kids. But, like, he said that to get the diary, but he could have just taken it. Well, he's made, again, I'd like to remind you, of dead people parts. <laughs> so his cognitive functions probably aren't as, you know, up to speed as yours or mine, or anyone else's. I don't know. So his connections, you know, he might not have made the same connections as we, as we, as we would have. That's right. Can I just say that I thought this had one of my other thing about eighties movies that drives me not crazy, but I just think it's weird. How every adult in in every eighties movie that I've seen looks perpetually fifty five years old. Like every to me, like you, they cut to the police station and the way that they're dressed and their hair and their glasses, like everyone looks like they're fifty years old. Huh? To I me, didn't think that the main parents looked that old. I but they like I don't know. They just looked like somebody's. Mom, like I don't know. Well, like, they looked like parents, so I didn't think they looked like they're in their fifties. I just thought, like, I was thinking about all the people, like the cops, like they all looked like they were about fifty years old to me. But I was like, oh, they're probably actually like our age in real life. I know, which is terrifying. Like, I'm sure Sean's parents are. His mom is probably my age. Oh yeah, she's probably like yeah, like, and then that girl who was supposed to be sixteen looked like she was thirty. Yeah, I don't know. I it just thought weird. It's something about eighties movies, man. They look old. That must be the hair, the, the feathered hair. I don't know. Yeah, they they do age themselves quite a bit. They really do. Um, okay, so what do we need to talk about now? Okay, I don't understand the rules of the being a werewolf. I don't understand. Oh, we did get into this a little bit while we were watching it. Yeah. So like shortly after that, when they like become friends with Frankenstein, and there's like a montage of them walking down the street with him and stuff. Well, the what I really like about this montage, well, put a put a little pin in yeah. your werewolf problems. But I really liked the montage because it's a montage of them now getting ready to be the monster squad and preparing. And the only person I felt like that actually took it seriously was the cool kid, Rudy. Yeah. Because, like, one kid went to, like, a copy shop and made some, like, stickers that said Monster Squad. And then dumbass Eugene writes this letter that's just like, Dear Army guys, there's monsters. Oh, Come quick. No sense. And then, like, he gave it to his dog. He didn't even mail it. <laughs> so he's an idiot. So we got this Joker, and then you got the guy making the stickers, and then Rudy, the cool kid, is, like, filing wooden stakes in shop class, and he, like, for whatever reason, has a mold to make bullet casings, and he's, like, make, melting down silver and making silver bullets. It's like, he's the only one actually preparing to battle monsters. Okay, wait, that, now, I remember now, so I was, I was thinking, how did he get all the silver? But then they cut to the other kid's mom, so he stole... The silverware from the other... Ca- oh, I guess they meet in his treehouse. That's yeah. how they got it. Okay, I was like, wait, The treehouse is in his backyard. That's right. But yeah, so he stole mom's silver uh, cutlery and, like, m- m- melted it down to make bullets. Yeah. So, like, he was the only one, in my opinion, that was taking this whole thing pretty seriously. Everyone else was just job. fucking around about if it. If it wasn't for him, they wouldn't have gotten anywhere. It's true. Okay, so now we can go back to your werewolf thing. We just had to discuss that montage briefly. Yeah, but so short, like right after this happens, it cuts to like Dracula's house. By the way, Dracula just happens to find an abandoned southern antebellum mansion in mm-hmm. the middle of this. I don't know, whatever. It looks midwestern town. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Okay, cool. I'm just gonna like." And there happen to be torch holds on the wall again. <laughs> like the torches are always lit. Like you could just flip the light switch, dude. Um, but like, yeah, so. They cut, and then the Wolfman guy has become human again. Yeah. And so he's tied up, and Tiffany explained to me, oh, he, now that he's a human with, a, like, a conscience, like, he's got to be tied up until he becomes, like, a monster again, because otherwise he'll be like, oh, no, this he is will wrong. Alert, he will alert people. Exactly. So I was like, okay, that's great. But 
Wolfman's supposed to only turn a wolf on the full moon, and last night was a full moon in this world. And mm-hmm. also, this dude who is a resident of this town mm-hmm. has never turned into a werewolf before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so suddenly he decides to turn into a werewolf, but then he's like, gives him a bunch of drugs. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I have to give you drugs. And Tiffany was like, oh, those are drugs to like turn him back into a werewolf. Well, the only but he reason spits them all out. We don't know if he spit everyone out. We he's, didn't count true. how many he gave him versus how many he spit out. But, like, it, the subtext, it was, like, implied that these drugs were supposed to turn him into a werewolf at whatever point he wanted to. Because Dracula made right. the comment of, like, I probably gave you too strong of a dosage. Which, to me, made me think that, like, he can't control, he will not be able to control it. Oh, I see. But did you feel sad for him at all? Because I felt kind of bad. Like, I this did. guy, like... Gets shot a bunch of times. Oh, And then yeah. his body is missing. And then he, when he's turned back into his human form, is desperately trying to make a phone call to the police. But, like, in the back of my head, all I'm thinking about is, like, this dude probably had a family. Like, is no one wondering, like, hey, where's Gary? Yeah. Because like, <laughs> he clearly, like, lives in this town. Yeah. And it seems like a small town. And he's never turned into a werewolf until he's, like, 40 years old. And then he's just suddenly missing. And you would think that they would have notified his family that he had been murdered in the police station. And then they would have had to notify him, them again, when he disappeared. I don't know. I just, I felt like that whole thing was weird. I felt felt bad for Gary. I don't know if that was his name. He looks like a Gary. He did look like a Gary. That's not a compliment. (laughs) Um, Sorry, Gary. Sorry, Garys of the world. (laughs) No, but, like, and I got especially mad because in the beginning when he was, like, lock me up, lock me up, I'm a werewolf, like, I'm gonna turn, like, out of nowhere, apparently. But, like, they're, the police refused to lock him up, but he's, like, punching police officers in the face. And I'm like, at that point, you lock him up. Like, why were they so hesitant to lock up this I don't know, because they, they ended up just killing him instead. <laughs> yeah, it was like, wow. I don't know, brutality. it was pretty, pretty crazy. So, they, the kids now know that all these monsters exist. Yeah. And they're trying to figure out a way to um, get the, read the incantation to put them all back. Yeah. So they try to find a virgin. Uh-huh. And they have this super awkward conversation with the one guy's sister who we saw earlier changing in the window. And she's like, yeah, I'm totally a virgin. Yeah. I promise. I'm totally a virgin. Yeah, which was super... I didn't get that It was really exchange. weird. So they have they have her, and and they I really didn't like... I thought it was super creepy. They tried to blackmail her into, oh, into reading yeah. it. Because she was like, I don't want to help. Like, this is weird. I don't want to participate. And one of them had taken a picture of her while she was changing. They were like, well, if you don't help us, I'm going to just post this at school on the bulletin board. Yeah, which is, like, um, I feel like that's, that, that's a crime, for sure. That's, like, a thing, yeah, like, you could call the police about that today, maybe not in the 80s, I guess, but. But it's, like, played off as, like, a light beat, like, it's, like, ha yeah. I'll, like, put, like, the school public, a pu- publicly post you in your underwear in front of everybody if you don't, like, tell us if you're a virgin. But I didn't understand why she was so weird about telling them that she was a virgin. Well, I guess, think about that age, like, if there was, like, the, you know, quote-unquote cool hot guy. Right. Like, wanting to hang out with you in a treehouse, and he's basically asking you if you're a virgin. I I, I don't know that you would want to say yes or no right away. I, I, guess. Guess, I guess your instinct would be to say yes. I always think it's weird in movies where kids who are, like, 15 are, like, embarrassed about being a virgin. I'm like, really? Like, maybe I went to a sheltered school, but I'm like... Well, especially it's not the, weird at all to be a virgin. It's weird to not be a virgin, especially in the eighties. Yeah, like now in this time, like it's not it's alarmingly Maybe. that age. I feel like, but like I don't know, in the eighties, I wasn't. I don't know. But she seemed like she was super upset to like admit that she was a virgin. She was like, "Okay, okay, fine, I am a virgin." She was like really like embarrassed by it. Well, spoiler alert: we find out later is because she's not a virgin. But then it's like, okay, if you're not actually a virgin, then why are you? being coerced into admitting you're not a virgin. Like, it was just confusing. It's like, if you're embarrassed about being a virgin, but you're not a virgin, like, just say you're not a virgin, because you're not a virgin. Like, I don't know. But you can't say you're not a virgin, because then they're going to think you're slutty. Ugh. But they need- I'm just saying. <laughs> That's probably what was going through her head. Perhaps. It was a very complicated. So she gets blackmailed, basically, into trying to help these guys. Yeah. And she's supposed to read the incantation to suck all these guys into a vortex. <laughs> I was so confused about all this. Yeah, so they're, they've got this plan together for her to do this at midnight, because it's been exactly 100 years to the day. 
So they split up, and half of the kids go to Dracula's mansion to try to track down the amulet and whatever. And they get into, like, Frankenstein is with them, but they still get into this confrontation with Dracula and the Wolfman, who they hadn't seen up until this point. Right. And, um... Oh, yeah, like, ugh. And Frankenstein, basically, like, Dracula's big thing in this movie was dynamite. Like, he always had dynamite. Where did he get all the dynamite? I don't know, he's Dracula. But, like, he had, like... A duffel bag just full, like, as if that's part of his lore. They're like, oh yeah, Dracula and Dynamite, you know. Like, the angrier you get, the more that spikes. <laughs> but yeah, Dracula's main thing was Dynamite. Yes, for it's, whatever it's reason. It's not a thing. And he, as soon as the kids walk into the house, he, like, lights a stick of Dynamite and, like, the structure of the foyer, like, collapses. And I, I thought this was really sad again because I'm pro Frankenstein. Uh-huh. But, like,. The, the foyer collapses all over Frankenstein, and they're like, well, he's probably dead now, <laughs> but he died saving us. And you're, and I'm like, first of all, you had this whole club dedicated on these monsters that you didn't know if they were real. And you were obsessed with. And then they're real, and you're best friends with one all of a sudden, and he dies, and you're like, well, whatever. It's like, it would be like, imagine if I was like, I started a New York Giants fan club. And then all of a sudden I woke up and Eli Manning was in my treehouse. And then Eli Manning dies. And I'm like, well, I guess that's just how it is. Like, no, like you're you're obsessed with these kids. Like, you've established your being, you're so obsessed with monsters. And that, then they didn't care. Yeah, and then they're just like, oh, hey. I find it strange that Eli Manning is the course you chose for the whole obsession. I was trying to put a real world, like, you're obsessed with a thing that's like a fan club with a real person. Okay. And I then see. it, because Eli Manning was the first person that popped into my head. Aww. I, could, I mean, I could have done Beckham. That probably would have been better. Well, no. I mean, I know how much he loved his derpy face. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He's fine. <laughs> he's like, whatever. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so Frankenstein is dead? Question mark? Yeah. And then they cut to the other half of the kids who are like, they should have been back by now. We should probably go try to figure out where they are. Yeah. And, and then, yeah. And so they, like, I don't even... Remember, but yeah. So then, the Wolfman, who we've previously shown is able to single-handedly defeat about a half a dozen police officers, throwing them around like rag dolls. Rag yeah. dolls? What dolls? dolls? Like rolled doll? Yeah. Um, rag dolls. But then he's suddenly faced with like two children, and he is just flummoxed. Well, they kick him in the nards. But like they, they even have a conversation in front of him, like we're gonna kick him in the nards. We're gonna kick him. In, like okay, you do it. Okay, and like the Wolfman meanwhile is just sitting there staring at them. Yeah. Yeah, and then like, and like then they just go up and they kick him, and the Wolfman does nothing. And then Dracula appears, and I, my favorite part is how they defeated Dracula because the fat kid just randomly <laughs> reached into the pocket of his coat, and he had a piece of pizza, and it had garlic <laughs> on it. Half-eaten slice of pizza wrapped in he's foil. Fat. We get it. Oh my god, I just <laughs> love that. I'm like, God, what a smart kid, just always carrying a half piece of pizza with you. A and he gross, like pushed but... it against Dracula's face, and his face like melted. And it burned his face. And then he flies away. And then um, it cuts like this big confrontation. We had a discussion about it, and it was confirmed this did happen at the Warner Brothers lot. Yeah. Uh, which I work there, and I see this every day, and I was like, this looks familiar. Aww. But, so there's, like, this big confrontation there, and Dracula flies in, the cop is there, he shoots Dracula, and he runs up these stairs in the building where the bat flew into, and Dracula is like, stuck in the super creepy hybrid, like, he's started to morph oh, back Oh, yeah, I thought that was actually cool. But he's still mostly bat. Yeah, he was, like, half bat, half Dracula, and it looked kind of awesome. But, like, the, he was, like, human-sized. Yeah. But, like, most of the human looked like a bat. It was pretty cool. It was alarming. So the guy, he's feeling pretty, the cop is feeling pretty good. Like, oh, man, I stopped this crazy guy. And then the wolf man appears. And... Oh, did we mention the fact that there's only one single black character in this entire movie? And he, like, immediately dies. No, we didn't mention that yet. Yeah, there's one black guy in the whole movie, and it's of course he dies. It's the partner. Via dynamite. He gets blown up. Because Dracula's thing is dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's so funny. That was, that was a very random thing to cut the story No, because it was in the for. same kind of a scene. It was in that same scene. Yeah, it was before that. I mean, I, we did skip guess... over the part about the mummy getting torn to shreds by uh, by literally being unwrapped. Oh, yeah, because he was, like, made out of his bandages. Yeah. 
So he was made out of his bandages, and they basically unraveled him. Right. And that happened before the scene with Dracula and the Wolfman, and now I feel like a dumbass because Caitlin stopped my flow. I'm so sorry. No, but they're out, and they're in the Warner Brothers lot, and they have um, the girl finally, like, she's trying to read the German, and it's not working. There's no vortex opening up. And And you find out she's... Whore. She's like, I'm not actually a virgin. Ha ha ha. Like, and then she made this really cryptic <gasps> comment. She's like, it didn't count with him. Yeah, it was like, like well, Steve, it didn't count. And like, what? So then, but then they go, oh, wait, which what I said early on. They said, I was like, the little girl is a virgin. Like, first maybe. Like, in, <laughs> ew, <laughs> no, because in this world, apparently, you can only be female and virgin. Like, yeah, there's this, a virgin. No male. way any of these guys that had sex. Every single person in the Monster Squad was definitely a virgin. Absolutely. But they're like, oh, the little five year old, she's probably a virgin. <laughs> so they have her reading, and like, they have the old creepy German guy reading, a, like, she's basically copying him phonetically. And yeah, I, I don't remember where I was going with that. So she's reading it, and then the portal opens. Yeah. Uh, Dracula arrives. He heals himself somehow from being, like, the creepy hybrid Batman. Yeah. And uh, he he arrives and tries to stop her by lifting her in, like, this chokehold, and she's screaming her little head off, and then Frankenstein's monster, surprise, is alive. Yeah. And he saves her life. Of course. And uh, she finishes the incantation, and the black hole appears and sucks everything into it, Including the monsters, and there's a very sad scene. Where, oh, yeah, yeah, they don't want they don't want Frankenstein to go. No, but he has to be sucked back in there, and he's like holding hands with Phoebe, a little girl, and it's really kind of sweet. She's like, "Don't go!" And she gives him her favorite stuffed animal as he's she, sucked into the she void. Loves him. I thought the void was weird because in the earlier version of the void, only the good guys get sucked in. And then, like, random, like, objects. And, like, this, they had, like, a car and, like, a lamppost. Like, fl- so I'm like, what is this limbo? Like, I wanted to see what limbo looked like. Because it was a bunch of good guys. Probably good posts. guys with a whole shitload of furniture. Yeah, like, in a black room. Like, I just, I really wish I could have seen that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry you didn't. Um, but... And that's basically the end of the movie, right? Well, yeah, it's, it's pretty much the end, um, except for after all the monsters are sucked into this black hole, this army tank starts to roll down the street it's with so a bunch dumb. of other army vehicles, and they burst out, and they're like, who's Eugene? We got your note. Where are the monsters? I'm like, okay, this is bullshit. Yeah. He gave the note to his beagle. <laughs> Not only that, it just said, the monsters are here. Come help us, army. And they have a tank, like a legit tank, which probably cost production, oh my god, like a hundred grand. Like, that's not a welfare check that the army is, is calling in on Eugene. That's, like, the cavalry was sent in. But, like, the guy that, like, the army sergeant or whatever was like, where are the monsters? Like, he, it's like as if he knew that there would be monsters there. He was like, oh my god, tell me where the monsters are. Like, because, as if it was a government thing that they knew about. Maybe they did. Oh. And then it ends when the main kid, Sean, is like, they're already gone. We took care of them. We're the monster squad. And then it's like a freeze frame. And there's a super sweet tune that they, like, wrote for the movie. It was great. That basically narrated what happened in the movie we just watched. Mm -hmm, But it was totally set up for a sequel. Yeah, it didn't didn't happen. No, which I'm kind of It's not too late. It's not too late. Right. That kid's still acting. We saw, or that guy. He did. He's he now still 40. acting. He looks exactly the same, he but does. a grown up. Aww. So, first time seeing it, what do you think of this spooky movie? I feel like I would have loved it if I had seen it when I was like, I would have been scared slash loved it if I'd seen it when I was seven. Yeah. But like, as an adult, I obviously was just, I'm that person, obviously, that I'm just like, no, that's just not realistic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know how much you value realism in your supernatural monster no! movies. No, okay, it's not even an issue of being realistic, like, because obviously there's monsters, that's not realistic, but it's, like, little things that, like, in, like make it scary, like, when everything, I don't know, it's just little details that could have easily have been explained, they just deliberately don't. All I'm saying is, if you're going into a movie accepting the fact that there's Dracula, Wolfman, Swamp Creature, and Frankenstein's monster, you yes. gotta get over the fact that the torches were lit already. I understand that. I just, it just <laughs> takes me out of it. I don't know. You're a tough critic. I, I kind of am, but that's okay. But It I is mean, okay. It was an enjo- I thought this was a really good movie to represent what being a kid in the 80s was like. Yeah. It felt like a really realistic 
Like, this, like... I mean, I dealt with a lot of monsters when I was 12. <laughs> well, I'm not, like, the, the relationship you. with the kids and then in school and the parents, like... Yeah, their interactions were really genuine. Yeah, and but, yeah, I mean, it was enjoyable. I mean, there was a lot of flaws in it, but, like, it was well-made. I could tell it had a good budget. Probably did. Yeah, but, like, it... I don't know, I liked it. And so what would you give it on a scale of 1 to 10? Like a six and a half. Yeah? Yeah. You? When I first saw this movie, I probably would have, like, hardcore given it a 10 out of 10. Nice. I mean, now it's probably, like, a 7.5. Okay. Well, see, I'm I still enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I, I still really like the movie. I think I enjoyed it more than you because it holds a nostalgia factor for me. Right, yeah. But. Oh, but we didn't talk about the best thing. You told me before we started watching this that one of my favorite lines I've ever written is in this film. Oh, that's right. One of my favorite lines in any movie ever is in this movie. Did you figure out what it was? Yes, I, I didn't. I, I tried really hard to not laugh because I didn't want to give it away, oh. and I was like literally dying inside when it happened. I don't know because I okay just, you. Well, I know you. You had a couple guesses. I had one guess. I, okay, one of them. I I know it's not it. Well, let's hear what you thought it was though. For a second, I thought it was because the fat kid, who I don't think they've actually, they didn't say his name. Horace. Yeah, they didn't say his name the whole movie. They do. Like, they say oh. it before, um, when he's getting bullied at the very beginning. They briefly say the name Horace. But the rest of the movie, they're just like, hey, fat kid. Yeah. Like, the whole movie. And at it's the true. end, in, in a clear, like, what I thought was a clear, um, um, oh, what's that movie called? In the Heat of the Night reference. Uh-huh. Who's like, my name is Horace! Like, after someone calls him, like... <laughs> it looks like... On our, our podcast recorder, it looks like an earthquake just happened. Like, <laughs> when that she was screamed. Like, that was probably at least a 6.0 on the Rutgers scale. <laughs> so that was one of your guesses? But then I was like, no! That's, that's not it. That okay, was not it. Okay, my other line that I thought was... Um, they, they asked the kid about his sister... And they they basically just was like, oh, like what about her? Like she just hangs around all day and lets guys touch her tits. <laughs> I did laugh out loud at that line, but that's not that's not it. Okay, well tell me. Okay, so there's this scene, and it's like a total misdirection scene, and it is hilarious to me. And you're gonna be like, you're ridiculous. This doesn't make any sense. But it's when they first go and talk to the German guy, he surprises them outside of the house. They're they're saying, like, I wonder how you say please don't murder us in German. And he, like, walks up behind them and he translates it. And they're like, oh, no, he's here and he's scary. And he invites them into the house. And then it cuts, it's like a hard cut to the next scene. He's holding this giant butcher's knife. And he's, like, oh. standing menacingly over the kids. And he's like, the time is up for more pie. Yeah. <laughs> and it, like, cuts down to him. Like, Cutting pie it felt, with the largest butcher's knife you've ever seen. It felt very, are you afraid of the dark? Oh my god, that's like my one of my favorite things ever. Like, every time I hear it, I laugh so hard, and this time I had Wait. to do it internally, and it was really hard for me. Aww. Your time is up for more pie. It's so ridiculous. And first of all, why would time be up for more pie? And second of all, it clearly looked as if almost all the pie had already been eaten. I think the time was almost up because there were only two slices left. Oh, I get it now. And but and then I was like, I bet the fat kid wants more pie. And guess what? He wanted more pie. <laughs> he did, because in the next scene he was eating more that pie. That poor kid. That kid. He was a mess. He was a hot mess. He, you know what, he's probably okay now though, I bet. In real life. He probably makes residuals from Maybe. this. I guess, do they air this on TV? I've never Well, seen... it's on Netflix now. Like, it was. It hasn't always been on Netflix. That's new to, like, this season. This do you get residuals? Season. Okay, anyone in the Screen Actors Guild or the WGA, please write back to us and tell us if you get Netflix residuals. Well, I'm sure you get residuals. I mean, Andy still gets residuals from Home Improvement. But when it airs on television, not when it's oh, on Netflix. Oh, I understand. I don't know. Syndication is different. I don't know how Netflix works. Netflix is a mystery. Well, we know some people who are working on some Netflix shows. We can ask them. <gasps> okay. <sighs> yes. Yeah, we'll do that. Okay. Well, so after our long hiatus, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to us for our spooky Halloween-themed podcast. I enjoyed it. Good. I enjoyed it as well. Good. I hope you did, too. Twelve yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we're up to, like, at least 15 According to, well, we have at least, well, I won't say how many. We have a lot more than that, though. Yeah, we do. Regular listeners. It's it's a little shocking to us. Yeah, we're surprised how many people have actually listened. 
But that's cool. I yeah. hope more of you listen. Keep on, keep on, keeping on. I feel like this one was kind of a mess. It probably was, but that won't stop us. That's okay. Well, you know, if you if you enjoyed this, keep listening and follow us on Twitter. Yes, I'm uh, at Duffasaurus underscore Rex. She's pretty funny. I like her tweets. I try. And so is Tiffany. I like Tiffany's tweets. Aww. They always amuse me. They're always clever. Thanks. What are you at, Tiffany? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany Solia? No, I'm at... You just said my whole name. I'm at T. Solia. And well, our I already main, knew your name was Tiffany. Our, <laughs> <laughs> our main Twitter is at Nostalgia Killer. That's right. If you want to follow us there. Please do. We never figured out Tumblr, but we still have an account. Yeah, we have a Tumblr account. It's probably very old now. I sometimes look on it, and by sometimes I mean all the time, but I don't know how to post on it. Me neither. And yeah. That's it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Have a spooky Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) Ha ha ha.